hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Well, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Well, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee. Well, tell me who can stand before us when we call on his great name. His name is Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. We have the victory. Oh, yes, it's in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Well, it's in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee. Well, tell me who can stand before us when we call on his great name his name is Jesus Jesus precious Jesus we have the victory oh yes it's in the name of Jesus we have the victory. Who oh, is in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee. Will tell me who can stand before us when we call on his great name. His name is Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. We have the victory. Oh, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Oh, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Oh, praise God for the blood. I praise God for the blood. I praise God. God for the blood that washes white as snow. Oh yes, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made. 
I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it and be glad in it. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. God, we praise you. Oh, God, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord, right now, God. How excellent is your name, O oh Lord. How great is the Lord, and he's greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness, beautiful for situations. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the side of the north. The city of the great king. I praise you, Jesus, right now, Lord. You are my shepherd, and I shepherd shall not want, oh God. You are everything to me, and you're so much more, God. How majestic is your name in all the earth, Lord. I praise you, God. I praise you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, what a wonder you are. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a glorious day. Woo. This is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice. And be glad in it. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a great day. As we heard yesterday, defeat is a look and joy is a sound. <laughs> Amen. Defeat is a look and joy is a sound. If you defeat it, it's going to show. <laughs> but if you're joyful, you're going to shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. God, we're asking you to bless our Sunday school offering this morning. Bless our lessons. Bless our teachers today, God, as they bring forth the word of God to us this day. God bless Brother Miller as he bring the word to us again this glorious day. In Jesus' name. God bless Brother Miller. Praise the Lord, everyone. Glad to be in the house of God one more time. Always glad for what God is doing. Amen. Are you excited about what God is doing? All right. That's some of y'all. Make sure. Is anybody excited? I heard maybe two voices about what God is doing. John chapter 8, verse 32. As always, I'm really, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here, be up here to share with you what I believe is God has given me. One of the things I enjoy about it is what it's doing in my life. You know, you can't, for something like this, you can try, but uh, you probably don't want to approach something like this coming and being able to share with folks, you know, whether home Bible study, 
in a group setting like this and try to share something that you don't know or not familiar with or have not had an experience with. And uh, I'm just glad for what God is showing me and teaching me in my own life. And I hope and I pray that as you are here and you're listening to some of these things, you know, you don't have to use my philosophy, if you will. There are some things that I bring out or whatever. But one thing is for certain, look into the word of God for yourself. Continue to encounter God yourself and God will continue to show you things yourself. So you don't have to rely on me or another messenger to get a word from God. Amen. So the beautiful thing is that we get to gather together and we get to fellowship and, you know, have these opportunities. But you don't have to wait until Sunday. Amen. You can get a word every day. Amen. So that's the beauty. That's the beautiful thing about it. And when God gives you a word, there's a purpose behind it. It's to help us grow and develop. John chapter 8. Actually, we're going to start with verse 31. Jesus is talking to the Jews. And um, <clears throat> in this particular dialogue, he says, If you continue in my word, and these are the Jews that believed in him, he says, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You'll see that, right? Yep. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The 32nd verse. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you continue in my word, these are to the Jews that believed, okay? He says to them, then are you my disciples? Now, we know that Jesus originally chose 12 men to be his disciples, okay? And so... Um, some believe that those were the only authoritative uh, figures in the history of Christianity because they spent time with Jesus. Jesus handpicked them. But this is what he's clarifying to them. He says, if you continue on my word, you are my disciples. A disciple is none other than a follower. Amen. So those disciples that he chose, those were the initial ones that he chose, but he's still choosing disciples today. Guess what, brothers and sisters? You are here. The experience that you have with God is because God chose you to be his disciple. And guess what? We do what we do like today, this morning. We have the, the teachings and the lessons that you have on Wednesday nights. And the messages that come forth and all the things that we do, you know, we call this session here discipleship. We change it from Sunday school because, you know, we don't want nobody to feel like we're trying to restrain them to school or classroom. Okay. But in essence, life is a big classroom. So we're all pupils. We're all followers. We're all learning. Amen. And I'm grateful for that experience because learning equips you and it prepares you to grow and develop. If you continue my word, Jesus says, then are you my disciples? If you do what? Continue in my word. Right. So there's a requirement there. Then he says, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And so 
We are talking on the subject of truth a little bit more today. As I mentioned before, I really, I enjoy truth. Truth has, you know, it doesn't always feel good, okay? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But truth is necessary, and it's always beneficial. I'm going to say that again. Truth is necessary, and it's always beneficial. Two essential components of God's divine plan of salvation, because this, series, this particular chapter or lesson, if you will, is talking about understanding the plan. And so we talked about the beginning, you know, creation. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, salvation and repentance and, um, you know, believing, having faith. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the word of God, right? We talked about that. We talked about water baptism a little bit, uh, the significance of the uh, spirit baptism and the fact that God is not only with us, you know, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, but he is now living in us. If we have received his spirit and we talked a little bit about that, right? And we saw the infilling of the Holy ghost, the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave to the disciples and all those that experienced that on the day of Pentecost, those 120 that were in the upper room. And not too long after that, there were more souls, 3000 souls that were added and more continued to be added throughout the book of Acts. We see that. Okay. So we touched on those things. These are not, it really shouldn't be anything new because if you've been living for God and you've been in church for any length of time, you've been reading your Bible, you've already read this stuff, okay? So this is our history as Christians, all right? When we look in the book of Acts, we see those things taking place. The acts of the apostles as they allow the spirit to work through them and impact the lives of other people. And so we talked a little bit about God through us. We're going to talk about truth because truth is necessary. There are two essential components of God's divine plan of salvation. And those are love and truth. Love and truth. Okay. Two essentials. We already know Jesus talks a lot about love. Right. Look at his teachings. They are centered around love. And in fact, when one asks him and poses a question to him about what they can do, right? What's the greatest commandment? What, what did he tell them? All the law hangs on what? Love, right? You love God first and foremost. You can't love anybody else if you don't love God. By loving God, he gives you the ability to love others. Love is not an emotion. Love doesn't just come and go. It's not fickle. Love remains, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay? And as Paul tells us in uh, Corinthians, he says, love rejoices in truth. All right? So love and truth. Now, the reason why I say that is because a lot of folks will get, you know, amped up about truth. But if you don't have love, Paul tells us in Corinthians, you're really not effective. You're really not complete. You know, some folks want to tell the truth, you know, but their agenda is wrong. I'm coming to tell you that you're ugly because I want to hurt your feelings. Well, 
I'm coming to tell you that you're going to hell because I'm upset with what you're doing. But I'm not coming to tell you what I'm telling you in love. See, because if I'm coming to tell you the truth in love, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to point out the obvious. Me telling you that you're going to hell, so what did I accomplish just now? Now, it's the truth. It's the truth. But we got to be careful, right? If we are operating in love, love will enable us to utilize the truth properly, to give the right approach. So it's not that you're taken away from the truth, but it's giving the right approach in how you present the truth. Amen? Got to be careful. What does the Bible tell us to be wise as serpents, right? Harmless as? So there is a necessity of being careful or being wise in how we treat what God gives us. And in this aspect, when we're talking about truth, it's important. You know, some things are truth. You know, the world can't handle all of the truth. Some of us Christians can't even handle all of the truth. That's why folks get upset when the preaching comes forth and your toes get stepped on and, you know, some people or the pastor come and, and correct you, you know, and then now you don't want to come back to church no more. Why did he address you? Let me ask you a better question. Why did he have to come to you in the first place? But you upset because the pastor done came and addressed you. Well, guess what? He's doing it out of love. He has a responsibility. But if you have what he has, then he wouldn't have to come at you in the first place. You won't get upset with the pastor. This is the stuff that happens. But you got to be careful. So if, I, if the pastor's coming to a member, you say you're a child of God. You done been in church for a little bit. As Paul says, and I'm going to paraphrase, grow up. Right? Seriously. Seriously. Some of the reasons why we're not as effective as a church body is because we little infants, underdeveloped. That's pretty much what Paul was saying, right? Here we are, 2,000 or some odd thousands of years later, and we still walking around as infants? That shouldn't be. We can't help folks that are in need because we still drinking milk. Still riding in spiritual strollers. Really? I wait on the pastor for the word. Where's your word? When you're talking to folks, they, they don't have to come to the building. You trying to reach somebody, sometimes that bridge is you. They may not step foot in those doors for maybe a year or so. But as long as God is able to use you, you're growing and you're developing, you're going to have an impact on those people. You're helping them. You're the extension of the church. Well, let's just put it like this. You are the church, right? So the church is not the building. So when you go out, that's 
God extending his hand through you, hopefully, to impact the lives of other people. So God shows us how to use what he gives us so that we can be effective. You know, tools are awesome, awesome things to use. You can build, you can construct, right? But you can also use a tool to be destructive. And if you use the wrong tool on the wrong piece, you can damage and sometimes may not be able to, it's beyond repair. I remember I was changing the tire on, on one of my vehicles a little while back. And I sat there and I don't even remember what I was using, but I guess if I would have had the right torque, you know, uh, socket wrench, I probably would have got that bolt off a lot easier. But I broke that whole nut, that whole bolt off. This is a while back. What do I do now? Got to get a whole new piece. So we got to be careful. When God gives us something, it's, it's not that he doesn't want us to use it, but he teaches us how to use it. And so we're talking about truth. Truth is necessary. But God teaches us. He gives us the wisdom. And when you're, you, when you're delivering the truth in love, you know, no matter where it's coming from, when you're delivering the truth in love, it's always a matter of benefit. It is to develop. It is to benefit. God gives us the truth. He shows us the truth. He helps us to stay in the truth for our benefit. The truth may not line up with our ideology, but it doesn't change the fact that it's truth, and it doesn't change the fact that God's agenda is to help develop us. Amen? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we talked about it. Love and truth, those are necessary in the plan of God's divine plan of salvation. These two virtues are inseparable, and they represent the very essence of the nature of God. You cannot separate God from love. You can't separate God from truth. Therefore, you can't separate love from truth. Truth is absolute. I am going to start off with that disclaimer. Truth is absolute. So listen to this. The absence of truth causes the foundation of righteousness and moral significance to be non-existent. The absence of truth takes away the very existence of righteousness, the foundation of righteousness. It takes it away. By not having truth. What else do you have to found it upon? You can't found righteousness upon a lie. You can't even develop morals without truth. Morals are to help us live up to something, right? And since truth transcends everything that we know, it's not what we make it. Without truth, we can't begin to build morals. Because what basis are you trying to develop those morals on? How do you determine what morals are right? 
Without truth, creation would lack definition and be left to wander aimlessly toward an empty destination. Think about that. We would not have a purpose. Truth has no alternative. Logically, the elements that are confined within the boundaries of alternation must both be equally comparable in nature and or substance. What does that mean? That means if you're going to take something, you say this is an alternative, it must somewhere along the line be equal, either in substance or in essence. So, let me give you an example. If I'm mechanically inclined enough to change the oil in my vehicle, you need your oil changed. You're asking me to do it, or you're looking for someone to do it. You can ask me, or you can ask my three-year-old child. Now, you have the option of asking either one of us, but here's the problem. My three-year-old child, I mean, we got some very smart three-year-olds out there. I know we got some geniuses. But my three-year-old child will not be able to go and change the oil in your vehicle. But if you ask me, I can. Two people, right? Two options. But he is not the alternative to me because he's not able to do what I'm able to do. He doesn't have the knowledge, the experience, so on and so forth, so it doesn't measure up. He doesn't measure up to be able to fulfill that requirement that you need done. Okay? So y'all got that, right? All right, so relate that then. When you're talking about a truth or a truth and a lie, okay? A lie is not an alternative to truth because a lie can't accomplish the same thing that truth does. When you have truth, it's the absence of a lie. And it transcends a lie. But when you have a lie, it is the absence of truth. And it is condescending compared to the truth. It is beneath the truth. In most cases, when someone tells part truth, half truth, some of the truth, First of all, that's a lie because information has purposely been left out. So then that means it doesn't measure up, right? Anytime you leave something out, it doesn't measure up. Y'all with me? So a lie is not an alternative. It is the deficit of truth. That's what a lie is. It is a lack or absence of truth. I'm saying this for a reason because, again, you know, there's, there's no, so you can't put lie into a good category. Nowhere. Because by virtue of a lie, it is already a deficit. It's a deficiency. It's amazing that we diagnose people who have deficiency of iron or whatever, and it's a diagnosis of a, some type of illness, whatever, right? 
Well, guess what? Someone who's lying, they have a deficiency of truth. That's the spiritual diagnosis, okay, of a liar. The absence of truth. Now, it is possible to be an error, an error or a mistake, meaning that you have an ignorance of information. So it's still the absence of truth, but it's because of ignorance. But a lie is a deliberate withholding of information that would otherwise add to or allude to truth. Everybody with me? I, I hope I'm not, I'm not trying to make it complicated, but I believe it's necessary to understand that. Just by virtue of truth, the word truth. Okay? Because the world now is trying to redefine truth. Our society has, is making every effort to try to redefine truth. So, I'm going to ask this question to you. Is there anybody here with a show of hands who came here intentionally to be lied to? Isn't it amazing that we will excuse a lie when it's for our benefit? But we will not accept a lie when we know someone else is withholding from us, when it puts us at a disadvantage. Isn't that interesting? So obviously, naturally, and you don't have to be in church to get this concept. We have folks that are from every walk of life. No one looks forward to being lied to. So then that naturally gives you the impression that everybody has some degree of value for truth. They recognize the significance of truth. So that's universal then. If I, if I saw a train tracks and I told you, hey, man, go ahead and step out on that train track. Ain't no, ain't no train ever come through here. And you know, you already timed it and you know train is about to come in about 30 seconds. But you're going to convince them to go ahead and step on the tracks and tell them, man, this track, they ain't used these tracks in years. So if someone is telling you that, how would you feel? Would you want to trust them? Would you want to trust them with anything else that they tell you? No. You just try to kill me in 30 seconds. Yeah. So no one looks forward to being lied to, which means that somewhere along the line, everybody has some recognition of how important truth is. The fact is, we choose to attend these meetings in hopes of alleviating and escaping the burdens of this world. This hope and expectancy is only made possible in truth. So let's look at it. First part of this passage of scripture, in John uh, chapter 8, verse 32, he says, ye shall know the truth. So to know is to gain exposure to, develop an understanding of, and have an experience with something or someone. 
that is your real quick synopsis of the definition of no. To know. Okay? Gain exposure to, develop an understanding of, and have an experience with something or someone. So in this passage of scripture, Paul is promoting the significance of the connection to and the culmination of an ongoing relationship with God. Having a connection to and a culmination, which is basically to bring about in a, a result of having an ongoing relationship with God. To know the truth. Ye shall know the truth. There are, there are probably a lot of things, but there are seven things that I feel like are what the world and what the enemy is using to try to attack the truth or in efforts to redefine the truth. First and foremost, this theory of relativity. Theory of relativism. Which basically says on the subject of truth that truth is whatever I make it. The truth can be something different to different people in different places. However, it relates to me. This theory of relativism says truth can be altered. That's what it said. That's the message really behind it. Truth can be altered. So then it's based upon your own perspective or your point of view, how you define truth. But if truth is absolute, then that would take away from the very nature of truth, which means it, it's no longer truth. All right, so we said truth is absolute. Truth cannot be relative and be absolute at the same time. So that's the first attack. And that is all done so that we could live a life of inclusion. Basically, I accept you, you accept me, we're a happy family. Right, Barney? Now, 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 you know, they, they, they sung that song years ago, but look at it now. Look at the concept, and, and just I'm looking at it just from a church perspective. I mean, you can look at it from, from various perspectives, but look at it from a church perspective. So you need to accept me the way that I am. I can still be used. Don't worry about the fact that I'm cross-dressing. God gave me the ability to minister in music. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not attacking anybody. But in the church, the church belongs to God, does it not? So who sets the precedence of, of whether or not it's acceptable? That's the truth. So folks don't want to hear that. It's easier to look at the person and say, you're attacking me or you're against me or you're discriminating against me because you won't accept me for the way I am. Listen, I have nothing to do with the way that you are. But God has given me a mission to be who I am in him. So the one you're really answering to is him. That's the same thing that Moses told the children of Israel. You act like you're fighting against me. 
learning every day to just start letting things just slide off. You start doing stuff, I'm not going to worry about it. Because guess what? If I'm doing what I'm supposed to, I'm a child of God. You can only do but so much. Just let it roll over my shoulder. Got me all stressed out, having ulcers and everything, worrying about what you trying to do to me. Now, I'm not naive now. Some troubles you can't shout away. <laughs> Some things just, you just got to face and go through. You can rejoice, but just because you shout don't mean it's going to go away. You walk out them doors, you're still going to be facing some of the same things. And while we're on that subject, if you're not paying your bills, ain't no need you shouting trying to get your troubles away because until you pay them bills, they still going to be there. We want a mama God to bail us out. God said, I'm blessing you. You better be responsible. I'm glad you done sweated and gotten, you know, now you smell, but you better go get them bills and pay up. <laughs> there it is. Jesus himself said what when they asked him the question? He says, hey. Should we pay tribute? I can imagine Jesus, you know, man, bring, bring me the money. Why? Why y'all keep doing? Look, y'all haven't learned. Let me show you something. Whose inscription is on there? Caesar. I guess you better give the Caesar what belonged to him then, huh? Jesus never said, don't, you know, just stop paying your bills. Don't pay your taxes. You stop paying your taxes if you want to. My child of God. Sir, we looking for, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll come looking for you. Truth is absolute. So here's the deal, right? So an example of absolute truth. I don't care what country you from, what language you speak, you jump off a high-story building, the truth is, death is on the ground waiting to welcome you. Your chances of dying is very high. Everybody is appointed some point in time to die, that's the truth. Now, oh, I'm not even going to go there yet. I'm, I'm getting there in just a second. Okay, truth is eternal. It's not restricted to the parameters. Let me say this right, because there's two different words. Parameters is not the correct term to use, but it's perimeter, which represents boundaries. So, truth is eternal. It's not restricted to the perimeter of time. And I, told, I was talking about this a little bit last week, but it's really mind-blowing to consider that everything we know in existence has an origin, has a beginning. 
The concept of time applies to everything we see and know that we can put our hands tangible. So we have, I mean, we really cannot capacitate in our minds eternity in its fullness. Like to really understand it, you would have to be eternal to get it all. Truth is eternal. It didn't just come in existence when the world was created. Truth has always been and truth will always be. You can take every word from every dictionary, from every language to try to describe it, but you still won't do it justice. Truth is just that powerful. It just is. It just is. Now, truth is supernatural. Since we know it's not confined to perimeters of time and can, it's not a carnal thing, truth is supernatural. It transcends the carnal. It transcends the earthly. Now, reality does not define truth. Truth defines reality. So, y'all got that? Reality doesn't define truth. Well, if it's real, then, you know, then it's true. In order, for, in order to assess if something is real, it has to be something that you can measure. Measure God. So, look at what the world is saying. Because they can't measure God, some will allude to the fact that he is not real. Because you can't measure him. My question to you is, can you measure eternity? If you can measure eternity, then you can measure God. And if you can measure God, you can measure truth. But in order to measure anything, there has to be, it has to have a beginning and an end. Isn't that, I mean, to me, that's like, that's, that's, I don't even have a word for it. It's just like, wow. So, you can't say, well, because it's real, you know, you may find some things that are reality that align with truth. And while we're on that subject, a fact is something that has to have evidence to validate it. Truth needs no proof outside of itself because it just is. The truth is the sun provides heat, period. Whether or not you feel hot because the sun is shining, that's based upon you and how it impacts you. So then when we talk about facts, we measure it. We have thermometers to say how hot it is. You may say it's hot. I may say it's not. But the thermometer will tell us what level of heat we're getting. That will be the fact. Because it's measurable. There's evidence. 
But regardless of whether you think it's hot or not, the sun is still providing heat. That's the truth. We good? So regardless of what you think about the word of God, The fourth thing, truth is consistent. Now, there's a lot of inconsistencies with what the world is developing now. I mean, it's, it's really crazy to me. Now, I, again, I don't knock science. I really don't. I don't knock science. I don't, I don't knock a lot of the stuff that we have in the academic world because I think some of those things are beneficial. The problem comes in when we use a thing because... You know, science to me is nothing more than a discovery of what has already existed, period. It's an observation, examination, analysis of what already exists. So how can you take something that you discovered to deny the existence of the one who made it? You can't. Did you create that element? Nope. You discovered it. So who created it? Well, you know, it just came. Okay. Trace it back. Go ahead. Trace it back. Okay. So that single source of power, energy, whatever you want to call it, where did that come from? Well, you can't, right? So at some point, you're going to have to come to terms or just deduce the whole thing. This is why you get some folks that would just dismiss it's easier to dismiss it because you have nothing else to prove against it. That's what the problem is. That's what the world has, you know, that's the problem the world has with the church or the truth. I have to dismiss it. So guess what, y'all? Get rid of them Bibles from the school. Take them Bibles out the hotels. And all those other establishments that you had that might have had a Bible there, take them out. I'm surprised it's still in the judicial system. I'm surprised they're still using it to ask people to put their hand on and say, you promised to tell the truth, the whole truth. I'm surprised. But it's easier to dismiss what you can't disprove. And that's what we're dealing with. You notice even with this stuff with homosexuality. The only reason why they're fighting is because they cannot disprove that that's the truth. So we just dismiss it. Don't say nothing. You a Christian, you better keep your mouth shut. We don't want to hear that. Truth is consistent, it's unbiased, and it is unprejudiced. Truth don't care what amount of money you make. Truth does not care about what family line you come from. Does it, it truth is not worried about what your denominational title is. Yeah. 
truth does not is not worried about it. What was your upbringing? Well, I had it rough. Okay, but truth is still the truth. You know what's amazing to me? Some folks who will sit there and use their history as an excuse to never succeed in the future. I had it bad. Listen, I'm not, I'm not making light of the situation. People go through some bad stuff. But I've seen some folks who risen to the occasion and said, look, I'm going to change this. Because I've become exposed to the truth that I can change. God is truth. Truth cannot be objectified or identified outside of the personality of God. God is truth. The word of God is truth. What did Jesus say? Sanctify them through thy truth. What? Thy word. Do you not know that everything that exists now is a result of God's word? Nature and what you see. Even some of the things that God is allowing, it's still because of his word. He allowed it to take place. Now, let me make sure I clarify for anybody that's listening. It's not that God brought bad things into the world. So stop putting God on trial. The world is jacked up because we jacked it up. And we keep making bad decisions to make it worse. Yeah. Then we want to blame God. That's just the very definition of selfish. Yeah. To elevate yourself to be something that you're not and cast every blame on everything else if it doesn't make you look good. Y'all all right? The word of God is the written expression of God. What we see, these scriptures, what we see here is the written expression of God himself. So when you read the word, it's a matter of reading God. Now, you know that these, these books, these pages, all 66 books that are in there, there is no way to capture every aspect of God on some pages. But he gives us what's necessary. He gives us what, he, what we need to know. He doesn't withhold the information that we need to know. And here's the other thing about it, brothers and sisters. If he could, I'm pretty sure that way back when, when he first created everything, he would have had in there, thou shall not drink alcohol, go to clubs and everything else. He would have put it verbatim. All the stuff that we arguing about today, well, it's not in there verbatim, word for word. If he wanted to, he could have put it in there. But he put what was necessary in there in hopes that we would read it and then encounter him and he would give us a revelation on how his word applies 
That's why we say that everything you need to know in this life is in the word of God. You just don't have an understanding of everything until you start seeking after God to give you revelation of his word and how it applies to your life. That's what makes the difference. So for all those folks who try to analyze and dissect God's word without the spirit of God, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You can get historical information. You can get empirical information. But you will not get spiritual revelation until you encounter God yourself. The written expression of God himself. Now, Jesus Christ is truth. Jesus says what? I am the way, the truth. You want to live? Get in the truth. You want to get in the truth? I'm the way. Jesus Christ, a physical representation of God himself. So now Jesus Christ, we know Jesus Christ, the word incarnate, right? John chapter 1 tells us, because he says, Jesus already says, I'm the bread of life, right? He says he's the truth. He says, sanctify him through that truth. That word is truth. John chapter 1, we know the word was with God. The word was God. And then in verse 14, the word was what? Made that physical representation of God himself. You cannot have truth outside of God. So here's the deal. These seven things, and these are just seven points that I brought out. The fact that truth is absolute, truth is eternal, it's supernatural, it's consistent. God is truth. I won't just settle for truth is God. God is truth. And we can make gods out of anything. The concept of truth, that's God. No, God is truth. That's where truth comes from, from God. The word of God is truth because it's an extension of God. Jesus Christ is truth because, again, it's an extension. It's a physical representation of God himself. So then Paul says, ye shall, or excuse me, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Knowing the truth means not only to have a cognizant comprehension of the truth or the knowledge of truth. It's not just a matter of reading the verbiage. But it's engaging the truth, embracing the truth. This is how, this is the key to us developing and growing in the things of God, brothers and sisters, is embracing the truth. Some folks will try to cram down the truth of, in every letter, down someone's throat, new babes in Christ. They, as soon as they come out, the way, they barely come out the water breathing. And, you know, well, you got to do this and you got to dress like this. You got to be like this. You got to live that way. Hold on. I don't even know how to find John 3 and 16. Can we start from there? 
And all of us have come from some background, some, oh, I done went over my time. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done in one minute. But all of us has come from different backgrounds. But over time, because we continue in the truth, he says, continue in my word. That's what he told him, right? Then are you my disciples? And because you're my disciples, my pupils, my students, I'm going to develop you. I'm going to train you, teach you what you need to know. If you have the spirit of God, if you have the anointing, the anointing is going to teach you, right? The spirit will guide you into what? All truth, right? So if I continue in it, over time, things begin to change. God knows what we can handle. Stop trying to make the person look the part and just encourage the person to be the part. And in the course of that relationship, things will begin to change. Why? Because there's a relationship to know, to embrace. You shall embrace the truth. You shall engage the truth. You shall continue in the truth. And by virtue of what you're doing, the truth is going to change you. It's going to cause you to walk in liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's going to make you free. But you're only free in truth. So we need truth. It's a vital part of God's plan of salvation. God bless you. I apologize for going over my time. Let's take a break and get ready for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.